Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right. Absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 413th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Did you know the best seeds for your garden don't come from the nursery? In fact, the seeds that will create the most robust and delicious fruits and vegetables come directly from your garden. This is because they are uniquely adapted to your growing conditions, better than anything you can buy from a fancy catalog or website. Through the magic of seed saving, it is quite possible to have the garden of your dreams. The best part is, saving your own seeds is surprisingly easy and fun. With a bit of instruction, anyone can become a seed-saving superstar. Let us teach you how in our free seed-saving webinar. Just text SEEDS to 33444 to sign up or visit SeedSavingHacked.org for more information. That's SEEDS to 33444 or visit SeedSavingHacked.org. Today on our podcast, we have someone who mixes up a health drink for soil organisms. We're talking with returning guest Ben Klempner about fermented soil amendments. Ben lives in the holy city of Tiberias with his wife and children, where he owns and operates Galil Soil Farm. Believing that good soil grows good food, Ben is passionate about growing the best soil and helping others to do the same. When not at the farm, he can be found spending time with his children in the woods, paddling a kayak on the Sea of Galilee, or immersed in Bible studies. Welcome back to the show, Ben. We got to meet you on podcast number 85 in May of 2016, and we're excited to reconnect with you. Can you bring us up to speed on what's been happening with you since? Sure. And first of all, thanks for having me back. I really appreciate this opportunity. You bet. So what's been happening since? A lot. Well, when we first spoke, my wife and I and our, our children were living in a town, a pretty big city actually, but we had a, a little farm outside of the city, which, which we were growing vegetables in, and that was outside of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And that was quite remarkable. Since then, 
just the, the circumstances around life had us uh, move to the holy city of Tiberias. And we're living on the top of the mountain. And from our, our apartment, you have a view of the Sea of Galilee. And it's wow. really remarkable. It's just splendid. It's so just the, the history and the, the human history and the natural history, just really exquisite. And we bought another little farm, this time about 10 minutes away from the city of Tiberias. And at first we were going to start growing vegetables like we were doing outside of Jerusalem. And we had a problem. And the problem is I want to use the most organic fertilizer soil amendments possible. And we couldn't get the quality products that I demand. Mm. And I'm very demanding. I'm very, very demanding on, on the quality products I use. I need to know not just that the products that I'm putting into the soil and feeding the plants uh-huh. are, are incredibly nutritious and nutrient-dense and sustainably produced, but uh, I need to know the history. of. I need to know the story behind those products. Where, where are the products being made? How are they being made? Who's making them? And I couldn't get those products here. I, I'm a big fan. For years, I've been watching John Kohler's uh, YouTube channel. Oh, yes. And John's great. He says, worm casting. And what, what does he say? He says, worm casting and biochar and rock dust. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I had a problem. My problem is that I live in Israel. And I couldn't really get any of those things. So I had to do my best to sort of make my own. So making my own. Okay, worms, that's easy. I got one of those small little plastic worm bins, like, you know, what's it called? The worm farm or worm mm-hmm. city, whatever, you know, whatever they're called. There's, there's a whole bunch on the market. So I got one of them making great worm castings. But, you know, there's only so far they go. Yeah, that's that's a little worm bin trying to produce enough worm castings out of a little worm bin on a, for your farm probably was a challenge. Exactly. A huge challenge. But, but worms reproduce. In fact, I mean, worms reproduce something like, you know, I, I don't want to say the wrong thing and, and sound foolish. So if I say something that's incorrect, I really hope your, your listeners uh, will forgive me for that. Uh, of course. Um, they, they, could, they could email me and give me the right information. And I'd, I'd appreciate that. But my understanding is that worms reproduce every 90, every 90 days, their population doubles. That sounds about right. Yeah. And they're hermaphrodites. Yes. Right. They have both male and female organs. And when they reproduce, both impregnate and are impregnated. Yes. So they're both carrying uh, eggs. Each one carries like between like six to eight eggs. And they can live something for like, I don't know, years. I don't know. Like, something I believe I've heard different opinions between seven to 13 years. Wow. So worms are, the, yeah, yeah. I mean, worms are absolutely phenomenal creatures. They, so something like they eat their, weight equivalent every day. Uh-huh. So if it weighs like, you know, a, a milligram, a worm weighs, I don't know, a milligram, whatever it is, they'll eat a milligram worth of food every day. So it's an incredible, uh, incredible thing. And so I started to have more worms and more worms and more worms. I just started to break up those bins. And eventually I had a worm farm. The product of the worm farm was actually much more than what I was actually selling vegetables for. Oh, and so I had to sort of scratch my head and say, hey, like, what should I be doing? A lot of people here in Israel are growing vegetables, but very few people are growing worms 
and products that really matter for the earth. And I want to, I want to be making products that matter for the earth. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was, it's up until now, and I'm not going to get into the whole challenges with worm farming. What we're doing is we're actually not selling what most people do is they sell the castings, uh-huh. but we don't have enough worms for that right now. We're still relatively small. We're, we're building up to it. But in the meantime, we're actually selling the leachate. And a lot of people will say, well, the leachate doesn't have biology in it. What are you doing selling leachate? Well, the answer is not only does ours not have biology, we actually pasteurize it by boiling. Oh, interesting. Because because we don't want the biology in that particular product because it's it has it's, it's worm casting. It can have you know who, who knows what it can have in it you know, and it's going to sit into a it's going to sit in a bottle for you know could be months at a time. We we don't want bad pathogens, so we actually just you know take care of that by by boiling it. So somebody might ask, but if you boil it, what What's it have? That's the point. And the point is, is that it's full. The, the, the leachate is full of uh, fulvic and humic acids. And so that's really the point of, of the leachate. It's not the biology. The, the castings or aerated, you know, actively aerated compost tea or worm tea would be for the biology. But the leachate is for the humic and fulvic acids. Wow. I, I had never thought about that. That is a, a really important part of this process. It's yeah, very very important, and so that's what we're we're doing with the worms. And you've transitioned it over into something that I'd never heard of before, called Korean natural farming. Talk to me about that. Okay, so I mentioned that John Kohler is very he talks about the worm casting, so I, I touched on that, and then he talks about rock dust and biochar. Uh-huh. Now, biochar, both all three of those things are really play a role in Korean natural farming. So. The worms were easy. We make the leachate. And the biochar, there's somebody here in Israel who makes biochar. And we got a lot of that. We purchased in bulk from him and added our own compost and flour and sugar and fermented it. And it ferments. Now, Korean natural farming draws a lot on, on this process of fermentation. So we compost it. We ferment it. It becomes alive. It becomes active. And the biochar was easy. Now, the rock dust. So John Cole is always talking about rock dust. So I'm thinking, man, like, I live in Israel. Rock dust is heavy. And I, I contacted the folks over at azamite.com. Uh-huh. And they're a great company. Azamite's a great product. But it's in Utah and you're in Israel. <laughs> That's exactly right. So I called them and I said, you know, I, I got to get azamite. Like, John Cole is all about azamite. I got to get azamite. They're like, okay, we can send you um, no less than a than a 20-foot shipping container. But really, it doesn't pay. You should really have a 40-foot shipping container. The cost of that was like over 100 grand. Right. And, you know, I'm a small farm, and that just made no sense. So I thought, okay, well, you know, there's got to be other ways to do this. You know, there's got to be other ways. God doesn't want me to spend money that I don't have. Mm -hmm. God doesn't want me to gamble and take these kind of risks. There's got to be other ways. So I went on to Farmer Google. And I asked Google, you know, minerals. I got this, this website about Korean natural farming. And that was about six, seven, eight, nine months ago. Uh-huh. You know, maybe so it was about a year ago. And that looked really complicated. And I was like, uh, I don't know. I think I'm going to stick with azomite. And then about, about six months ago, that was, that, was about, that was about a year ago. So about, about half a year ago, something came up and I revisited. I wanted to make fertilizer out of fish. I typed into Google, how do you make fish fertilizer, whatever it was. I typed in, 
And again, I got Korean natural farming. <laughs> Hello? You need to start paying attention here, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And this time I actually read it. You know, the, the first time I don't think I actually read it. I just uh-huh. sort of glanced at it and, and, I'm not, and I was like, hey, this is too complicated. I'm going to stick with Azamite. And this time I actually read it. And I was like, hey, this is not complicated. Anyone can do it. You know, the only thing complicated was maybe the way it was written, but actually after reading it, it was like, this isn't complicated. This is straightforward and easy and cheap and doable. Let me guess something here, given I don't know Korean natural farming or the concepts behind it yet. But is it that you're feeding the microbes in the soil and the microbes are breaking down the dirt you already have and making the minerals available for the plants? Is that what's going on? That's part of it, uh-huh. but I don't think that's the whole of it. And again, I'm, I'm really, in many ways, a real newbie to Korean natural farming. There's people who have been doing this for years and years. Uh-huh. So for me, I'm still in that exciting early learning curve. I throw myself into it head first, you know, into the deep end. So, you know, you just, when you do that, you just start swimming and you end up becoming an expert real fast. So what is it that you're actually doing? Give us a kind of an idea of that. Okay. So let me give you an example. The first time we made fish amino acid. Okay. This is a story. The first time we made fish amino acid. Now, super easy. Now, as you know, the Sea of Galilee is famous for, for fish, for fish, fishermen, right? Yep small, cute little fishing boats that go out early in the morning, and they sell their fish to the local uh, fishmongers. Mm-hmm. In fact, by law, they're not really able to sell anywhere else because they need to keep the fish industry very, very small so they don't overfish the Sea of Galilee. Oh, right. So my intern and I, we showed up one afternoon at around 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. So the day was already half over for the, for the fishmongers, and a lot of their fish were already processed, and the waste was already in bags ready to get thrown out. And I don't speak Hebrew. Even though I live in Israel, believe it or not, I've mm-hmm. lived for about 20 years, and just the language never really sunk in. So I'm trying to communicate to these people that I want, I want your fish waste. And they're looking at me like, what? Like, don't ever come in and ask for, like, fish heads, fish tails, fish guts, fish skin, right? And they're like, what, what do you want that for? And I'm trying to explain, well, you know, compost, sort of compost, and they're not getting it. So they figure, it must be I'm saying katula. Katula is Hebrew for cats. Like, I want to feed it to my cats. Mm. So they're like, oh, sure, you can have as much as you want. And... They give me buckets full and buckets full of just fish fish waste, heads, tails, skin, guts, whatever it was. And it was my first time doing it. So I didn't think to like bring gloves. Oh, right. Like, afterwards, I realized like, you know, like the, like guys who work at fish stores, like wear those big gloves and those big aprons for a reason, you know? I just take as much as I can. And we put it into a big barrel and we take it out to the farm where there's going to be we're far away from people, and no one's going to smell any, anything. Happens to be great. I got to tell you, this stuff smells really good. This is, it's been sitting in these buckets now for a few months. Uh-huh. So what do we do? So simple. Equal parts weight, brown sugar, the fish, the fish parts. Mixed up well. Maybe, you know, if your listeners want to do it, so easy. Go to a fish market. Uh-huh. Get the fish byproducts, the waste products. Right. Every town has at least one fish, right, Greg? 
how close are you to, to your local fish market? Yeah, there's one a couple miles away. A couple miles away. So everyone's got one at least a couple miles away. Yep. Take, you know, like a five-gallon bucket or two, fill them up, and then equal parts in weight with brown sugar. Mix it up really good so all of the fish is covered equally with the brown sugar, and then seal it. But put it into a Coleman ice chest. You can you can put it in just, you know, but mix it really well with equal part weight brown sugar. Two-thirds of the weight to the top. Then let it sit for at least three months. At least three months. Now, this is called fish amino acid. And in Korea, they've been using this technique to make fish fertilizer for literally hundreds of years. Mm. And what happens is you're using the waste products that industry doesn't use, that industry doesn't sell. And those products like the head and the skin are rich, probably the richest part when it comes to oils. I know the head is the richest part of the fish when it comes to the oils. Mm -hmm. And the scales have all sorts of minerals and nutrients. They say eating the, the, the skin of the fish is the healthiest part. Yeah. You should, you know, I was always told, eat the skin of the fish. That's where all the nutrients are. And we put all that in, and over at least three months, really it should be at least six months, it could even be a year, it could be three years, all of the nutrients and the oils are pulled out. The cell walls are broken down or are sucked out through the osmotic pressure uh, created by the sugar. Uh-huh. And it becomes a liquid, like a nice really actually a pleasantly smelling liquid. It doesn't smell rancid. Uh-huh. If it smells rancid, you did it's not something done wrong. correctly. Yeah. Exactly. And not only that, but it's actually edible. Almost all Korean natural farming products are edible. You can not that you should eat them, but you could eat them. Like they're safe for people right. and pets, the plants, earth. And a lot of the poisonous parts of the fish, like the guts, uh-huh. from what I've been told, actually through the process of probiotic fermentation because that's really what this is. It's a probiotic fermentation. Actually, a lot of the poisons become detoxified through this process. Interesting. Yeah. Isn't it profound? Yeah, so like it the, really the, is. The toxins in the, in the gut, like the gut toxins, actually become detoxified. Wow. The brown sugar is feeding the microbes that consume and break down the fish parts. Well, that's correct, and that's part of it. But the other part is that the brown sugar creates an osmotic pressure that also breaks the cell walls. That liquidy inside of the cell just flows right out. And that's that good stuff that we want. Right. So now you have worm-casting effluent. You've got fish, broken-down fish parts or fermented fish parts. Tell me, how are you using them, and what's it doing to the soil? So what's it doing to the soil? So now, let's look at the American Indians for a second. The Native Americans, they, for thousands of years, for millennia, in certain areas of the United States, I, I don't know about Arizona, but I know like in Michigan and Wisconsin, uh-huh. they would bury a fish, yep. right? Yep. And mound, a little, a little earth mound over the fish and plant their garden there. And the fish would break down and feed, feed the soil organisms and feed the plants. Well, that's what fish amino acid is. Fish amino acid is basically you're putting that fish right into the soil in a, in a way that's easily absorbed by the soil, and it's highly concentrated. It's one part to a thousand. A one-liter bottle basically makes 
you know, a thousand times that. Now, a one liter bottle makes a thousand liters. Wow. So a one liter bottle of what? A fish amino acid. A Got fish it. amino acid. Mm-hmm. And so another product, which is, in, or it's, a lot of it's just using the local, a lot, a lot of Korean natural farming. Because in Korea 200, 300 years ago, you didn't have big industry. Mm-hmm. But you had big agriculture. You had, you had huge, huge, huge amounts of agriculture going on. And it was going on successfully and sustainably. And how were they doing it? They were doing it using the weeds and the, the, or the resources available to them. Those resources was, were seawater. Uh-huh. So we use seawater for the, you know, getting back to what I do instead of rock dust with the azomite. Oh, yes. So getting back to that, fermented seawater. Seawater uh-huh. is full of minerals. Yes. It's full of what basically, right, John Kohler calls azomite, rock dust. Yep. 90 plus trace minerals in seawater. So how do you use it? Well, pre-natural farming gives us answers of how to do that. So I went to the Mediterranean and filled up a few buckets full of seawater right from the Mediterranean. I filled up the buckets using brackish water right at the very edge of the sea. It was so beautiful. People were, were fishing. Some people were coming up to me asking me, like, what are you doing filling up buckets of seawater? You're not going to drink that, are you? Uh-huh. I know we're trying to make fertilizer out of it. Why do you want to do that? You could buy fertilizer at the, you know, at the store, you know, for, for like you know, $3 or a big bag, you know, Scott. You know, it's like, well, that's, that's not exactly what, we, what we're doing, you know. So what, what do we do? We leave the seawater exposed to the air for a day, for about uh-huh. 24 hours. Right. And so all of the yeast, right, the atmosphere is full of different yeasts and probiotics, right? And it, it goes into that water. And then we put some lactic bacillic acid in. And lactic bacillic acid is a whole other story of how we do that. Mm-hmm. But we put some lactic bacillic acid in, which is a probiotic. It's a fermented probiotic. And then we put some fermented plant juice in, which we use cactuses because we have cactuses all over the place. Uh-huh. The fermented plant juice is basically the same process as the fish amino acid. It's cactus paddles, which we cut up very tiny, and put an equal amount weight of brown sugar in. And all of those good amino acids, or that good, that good biology that makes the cactus so vigorous in the desert uh-huh. is extracted by the brown sugar and it's full of liquid, and you get a nice, nice, syrupy, cactus-based fertilizer out of it, and, which is full of probiotics. Right. And we put that into the, into the seawater, and then fill it up one part seawater to 30 parts of dechlorinated water. Mm-hmm. And what do you have? A liquid fertilizer that contains 90-plus trace minerals. Like azomite. Like azomite. Yeah. So all of your products, I'm on your website right now, and all of your products, they're feeding the soil. Tell me about that. Right. I'm, I'm all about feeding the soil. My philosophy regarding growing food is don't grow plants, grow the soil. You know what? And I would say, I would say it doesn't even matter if you're growing houseplants, you know, whatever it is. Like, you know, houseplants are, are in soil, right? I mean, they're, they're in something, right? Mm-hmm. Even if it's a growing medium, feed the soil, feed the growing medium. Feed yeah. the, you know, even if a person's growing hydroponically, feed the water, you know, let that grow the plant. Don't, don't feed the plant. Feed the, I, I even, ha- I, I heard one, one uh, professor of agriculture here in Israel uh-huh. say to me, don't, don't feed the plant, feed the roots. 
Yes. And I was like, okay, okay, you're on the right track, but like, take it one step further. Like, how are the roots getting fed? Like, let's let's create real forest biology in the soil. The forest knows how to grow huge trees. Yeah. Let's grow forest biology in the soil for our garden, even houseplants, whatever it is. And that soil biology, that forest soil biology, will grow really good plants. So, you know, using the, the seawater, oh, using wow. the, the fish amino acids, using the, the worm leaf shape, using the, the fermented plant juice. Yeah. You know, one of our products, water-soluble calcium, is great for plants at the very the fruiting stage, the, the reproductive uh-huh. uh, fruiting stage, flowering, fruiting. Couldn't be easier to make. We toast eggshells. Uh, I mean, lack of eggshells. We, we, we go to a bakery uh-huh. and pick up a huge amount of eggs, like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of eggshells from them. We toast them, use the toasted eggshells. We, we let them sit and ferment in vinegar. If the fermentation is the is like the gut biology that the soil so needs. The soil is so deprived, just like our stomachs, our own guts get so deprived. You know, the modern civilization of of the necessary probiotics that our stomachs need to, to digest properly, the soil is really deprived more often than not nowadays. Oh yeah, of of probiotics. So right. we we need to put those probiotics, that stomach, that gut biology, back into our soil. So a lot of it, you know, in the, in the Koreans, they're experts at that. Right. You know that for hundreds of years, the Koreans have been using fermented products. You know, fermented foods. They've been fermenting foods. Mm-hmm. They're, they're really a, a profound knowledge of fermentation. So we actually were lucky enough to have Elaine Ingham on our podcast on January 19th of 2017. That was episode 185. And she explains a lot of the soil biology that happens. So if you're interested, go back to episode 185 of the Urban Farm 185. Podcast. 185. Yeah, 185. So that's, uh, let's see, a year and a half, almost, yeah, almost a year ago. For those listeners out there, go ahead and listen back then. So basically where you've come to is you've started a company and you're making soil supplements for us. Tell us about that. Like I mentioned, we started growing vegetables and eventually sort of evolved into a soil supplement company by, by necessity, really by force of necessity. And there's a few, a few things that I really, really enjoy about it. One thing is that I mean, I'm all about growing vegetables, mm-hmm. but there's just not enough products on the market that are really sustainable and work the way that I want them to work. So by necessity, I really had to start creating my own products to mm-hmm. use on my own vegetables uh-huh. and eventually just decided it's way easier to be making soil supplements than it is to be growing vegetables. I don't have to worry about harvest times or planting times or all the other you know, work in logistics, timing that goes into, that goes into field crops. Right. Plus, yeah. I'm going to jump in here. Plus, you're making a great product for farmers to grow great, healthy food. And that's a big part of it. And you know what? It's also, it's from Israel. Like, it's, it's from the Holy Land. And to me, that's a big part of it. Like, I'm, I'm bringing, I'm sharing. It's like I'm gifting. I'm sharing part of the, part of the Holy Land experience with people around the world, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's, you know, fermented plant juice from cactuses that have grown in the Galilee region or worm leachate, you know, from worms that have been feeding on food that has grown in the Galilee. You know, it's, it's, I'm sharing that, that experience, that Holy Land experience with people, with people wherever they are. 
Nice. So you're you're taking a little bit of that Holy Land experience and putting it into your garden. You know, your 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 tomatoes have a little bit of the Holy Land in them. So you have an offer for our listeners today. Can you tell us about it? I do. We have a special offer for your viewers. Mm-hmm. But the first step is to go onto our website, Godil Soil, G-A-L-I-L, soil.com, and subscribe to our to our monthly newsletter. Okay. Then after doing that, and this is the offer just for your listeners, write in the contact us form at the bottom of the website that you, you listen to the podcast, what product you'd be interested in receiving, what you're growing, uh-huh. and what you want to get out of the product. Hmm. We'll give away four products to four different people. Oh, cool. All right. So but if you're listening right now, jump on it, go to their website. And just to also mention, any any church, synagogue, or mosque garden club and any community garden that purchases from us gets a 15% discount across the board. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. We, we really want to encourage gardening. We really want to make gardening accessible. Yeah. My mentor, Scott Murray, uh, says that he he believes that every church community and every school community needs to figure out a way to grow their own food. So I love that you did that to help support that vision. Yeah, yeah, that, that's very important to us. You know, cool. healthy people who grow their own food are healthy people. Oh yeah, and and I say happier as well. And happier, yeah, yeah, in mind, body, and spirit. Yeah, exactly. So I usually ask our signature questions at this point, but since you've been on the show before, I'm just going to pitch this one at you, and that is, what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? John Kohler signs off of, of each one of his of his uh, shows with the words "keep on growing," uh-huh. and and that that's the one piece of advice: keep on growing. It doesn't matter. You know, we're all going to have failures in the garden. We're going to have aphids come and infest our our cow. We're going to have all sorts of problems in our garden. We're going to have tons of failures. We're going to have some successes as well along the way. Yep. The main thing is keep on growing. Just as long as we're growing, as long as we show up and we plant and we water and we, we, we nurture, we give that fertilizer, we give that love, we're doing good. Yeah. We're doing good. Love it. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Ben. Thank you for having me. You bet. So how can our listeners get a hold of you? Well, they can uh, go to our website, galilsoil.com. Or if they want, they can go to galilsoil.co.il, the same thing, and they can uh, fill out the contact form and send me a message. Excellent, excellent. You can also listen to Ben at episode 85 on the Urban Farm Podcast at urbanfarmpodcast.com. Plus, you can find our show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash galilsoil. That's G-A-L-I-L-S-O-I-L. We are your urban farming resource. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and every place you can find podcasts. Also, visit urbanfarm.org to find articles, podcasts, webinars, courses, and more. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Claiming your inner urban farmer is easy. Grow food, share it, and name your farm. Then let the world know you're an urban farmer while supporting our podcast. Pick up your urban farmer bling, hats, and t-shirts at imanurbanfarmer.com. 
We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.